Ephesians chapter 1. We'll begin in verse number 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom also, in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good, to the, to his good pleasure which He has purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the t- fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even unto Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. And I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but from verse number 3 all the way through verse number 14, is really one thought, one sentence. And this is what I'd like to think about. All of this is by the grace of God to the praise, to the glory of His grace. It's all for the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It really all revolves around the Godhead for their glory and for their grace. So back to verse 3. Just think about this verse for just a moment. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I could stop there in heavenly places in Christ. Who should be blessed for all of the blessings? It all started with God. It all started with God. And I don't mean to go over that again and again and again, and I don't mean to bore you with that. But in a world today that seems to want to reject that God should be praised for this, that God should get the glory for this, that it began with God, that I'm accepted because of the work of Jesus Christ, that I was brought to Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Why would man want to reject that? 
And you know, you could even say this, well, you're you're talking about Calvinism. I've never mentioned Calvinism. I've never mentioned Calvinism in going over the first few verses of the book of Ephesians. That's what man draws from that. What I'm drawing from that is a work of God. I'm drawing from that plain and simple written down on the pages by God's apostle that God began this work before the foundation of the world. Why would man reject that? Why would you reject the work of God? And again, don't begin in verse number 15. Don't begin in verse number 14 and say, well, the reason reason that we're here is because we believe the gospel. The reason you're here began with God. The reason you're here began with God the Father. It began with God the Son. It began with God the Holy Ghost. And the only reason that you're a believer is because of the work of God. Why would man want to reject that? I don't understand. And I would say this just a little farther. If everything is equal... If everybody in the world has the same opportunity, if everybody's given the same grace, everybody's given the same spirit, everybody's heard the same word of God, what would be the distinction between us? It would only be us, wouldn't it? Would it only be us that would make the difference? I could glory in that, couldn't I? Could I not glory? In the fact that I believed. I mean, everybody's got the same opportunity, the same gospel, the same grace, the same Holy Ghost. But you know, we've gone over just in the last few services that the Holy Ghost did a work in you. Not only was the Holy Ghost working, not only was the Holy Ghost in the preacher, Not only was the Holy Ghost the one that inspired the writer of the epistle to the Ephesians, but the Holy Ghost, if you are saved, was working in you. So what is the real difference? Is the real difference you? Well, the real difference, if the real difference is you, then this word right here will not, this Verse we need to take out of our Bible. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. So I believed. Why did I believe? I believed because the grace of God brought me faith. (coughs) Was that grace of God that brought me faith, was that given to every man exactly alike? If we say yes, then verse number 9, not of works lest any man should boast. We're going to have to get rid of that verse. I would like to just say this. All that we have covered thus far in Ephesians through the first seven or eight verses is for the praise of to the glory of His grace. 
We were, we were brought to a revelation to wisdom and prudence, to insight and understanding of the mystery of God's will according to the riches of His grace. It's all for His glory. It's all for His honor. So with that little thought, I'd like for you to go with us to Rome, to Isaiah chapter 1. And I would like for us to just think about the condition of man without the intervening grace of God. What is the condition of man outside of the intervening grace of God? He's dead. That's right, David. Man is dead in trespasses and sin. Man is going away from God. Man has no desire for God. And that's the truth. And the Bible will back that up. That It'll back it up in the Psalms. It'll back it up in the book of Romans. It'll back it up over and over and over again that man is going away from God and has no desire for God. That's the condition of man. But read with me in Isaiah chapter number 1. Isaiah chapter number 1, what is the condition of the people in Isaiah's day? I tell you, they have gone away from God. God has smitten them. God has brought trouble. And you know what? They will not be turned. They will not be turned by the work that is brought about by afflictions, that's brought about by, uh, you know, by, by the foreign countries, by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians. Man is not going to come to God. That's not going to bring man to God. It doesn't matter how much you whip him. He's not going to come to God. But man is in that condition. We'll look at verse number 5 and following. Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed up, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence, and it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been likened to Gomorrah. I'm going to stop there. If it had not been for God. Now, I would ask you this. When I read Isaiah chapter 1, would you say that I'm reading a historical account of what actually happened in time? But would you say as I read Isaiah chapter 1 that it can very well be applied to mankind today? If the Bible is real, it's a living word, 
It's a word that's just as applicable today in 2023 as it was in Isaiah's day, maybe 760 before Christ came. What can I glean from this? I believe that I can glean from this with all the afflictions of this world, with all of the problems naturally in this world, it does not bring me to God. Natural trouble will not bring me to God. You know, I hear you. I hear all over the house. I hear objects of families that are in trouble. I hear great tragedies. I hear cancer. I hear problems in the family. I hear problems with children. And you know what I hear from you? I hear that you, as the church, pray that God would help them to see their need for Him. They've lost a child. They've lost a mother. They've lost a father. They've lost a loved one. And brought about by some of the afflictions that comes upon all mankind. But you know, that doesn't bring us to God. This is a people, according to what Isaiah is saying, they're a desolate. Their cities are burned with fire. It looks as though that everything is going to be destroyed. The daughter of Zion is left as a cottage, a hut in a vineyard, as a lodge, not a permanent dwelling, in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. You look and you watch your news today and you look at some of the cities over in Ukraine. What's left? It looks like the whole place is in rubble, doesn't it? But you know, every now and then the camera may pan and and here's a man. Here's a woman. Here's a family. You know who you are? I tell you, if you're saved today, you're as a brand plucked from the burning. you, You are one of the remnant. Now just look at the condition of Zion. Look at the condition of Israel. And listen to Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been in Sodom and we should have been as Gomorrah. Is that applicable for us today? Would you think with me of the United States of America? What do we as a country deserve today? As a country, I'm talking about as a whole, what does the United States of America deserve today? It is continual from the White House to the courthouse It is a continual propagation of ungodliness and wickedness everywhere you turn. And if there's anybody that raises a hand to exalt God, to say that's wrong, they are ridiculed and they are crucified, maybe not literally, but verbally, and tried to be made a fool of because you would believe anything that is upright and godly in this world. That is the world and that is the nation that we are living in today. And that was the condition of Israel when Isaiah wrote chapter number 1. 
And if it wasn't for God Almighty's intervention, Israel would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. And if it wasn't and isn't for the mercy and the grace of God, the United States of America will go down in history as a Sodom and Gomorrah and it will go down and be destroyed utterly. So let's bring it down to you and I individually. Was I in this condition? I say amen, not proudly, but I say amen, I was in this condition. I was rotten from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I was ungodly and wretched and vile and on my way to be destroyed. I was headed to the same... You know you might disagree with this, but I tell you, it was God Almighty that brought wrath down on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was God who rained fire out of heaven. And I tell you that it'll be God who brings... You know what hell's going to be? Hell is going to be the wrath of God turned loose on mankind. Hell is going to be God turning loose His wrath on unsaved humanity. But the honest to God truth is, I would have been there if it had not been for the grace of God. And so would you. Look at the Word of God, and it is applicable for this day. Except, if not, if it had not been the Lord, if it had not been the Lord of hosts, had left us a very small remnant. What does that mean? Small, few, diminished. If it had not been for the Lord who had left us, now who is, he says, the Lord of hosts. What is that? The Lord of all the armies. Now what does God have? God has angels, principalities, powers. You know why you're saved and I'm saved? Because of the angels of God. Because of the angels of God. I don't mean the angels or the cherubims in heaven. I mean the angels of God that brought us the Word of God. I mean the messenger of God that brought us salvation. I mean it was because of God and His mercy. It was because of God and His grace. It was because of Jesus and His sacrifice. It was because of the Holy Ghost drawing you. It was because of the work of the Holy Spirit in you. It was because of the Holy Spirit working in the preacher. It was because of the Holy Spirit working in the writer uh, that wrote down the text that was preached to me on uh, the day that God saved me. It was the work of God except the Lord. What would we have been like? We would have been burned in the fire for the wrath of God. You and I and every one of us there's no exceptions, folks. There's none good, no, not one. There's nobody seeking for God today. Oh, no, preacher. Now, you're, you're preaching that, that people's wanting to get in and God won't let them. I've never preached that, never have, and never will preach that. You want to get in? I'll tell you this. If you want to get in, it's because God did a work on the inside of you. Praise His blessed name for that. The only reason I wanted to get in was because God did a work on me. I was headed to hell. I was going to be just like Sodom and Gomorrah. 
and Israel if it had not been for God. We was reading this morning in the first book of the Bible. You know what was going to happen? Where we were reading in the first book of the Bible this morning, Paul Hayden and James was reading to us how God was going to bring a destruction upon the earth. God was going to bring a flood. You know how many was saved out of the multitudes that was on the face of the earth? Eight souls. I say this, I believe this will fit. Except the Lord. Except the Lord. Except Noah had found grace. Now you get this right. Except Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, no ma'am, and no sir, Noah didn't do anything that would bring God's favor upon him. God favored Noah in spite of the condition he was in. Noah, Noah favored God and friend because of that. You know what we've got today? We've got eight billion people on the face of the, of the earth today and that is because God spared eight. You know why you're spared today? Because of the grace of God. The reason you're spared today, the reason you have not been destroyed, the reason that God has not made an annihilation of you and let you lift your eyes in hell is because of the mercy of God. Except the Lord of hosts had caused, had saved, had uh, uh, chosen a little remnant, I'll tell you what we would have been. Israel would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. And you and I and the United States of America will be the same way. Uh, friend, it'll go down uh, under the wrath of God Almighty. So why does Ephesians chapter 1 deserve praise for the glory of His grace? Look at the condition we were in. We were everyone headed for destruction. Whether you believe that or not, I tell you, I was headed to the same end as Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were too. You were headed to the flames of hell. You were headed to the wrath of God. You were headed, I tell you what you were going to do. You were headed toward what you deserve. The same judgment that fell on Sodom and Gomorrah should have fallen on me. And if everybody would be honest, it should have fell on every one of us. But do you know what God did? The Lord of hosts left us a very small remnant. So the Lord did this? Now I want you to think, there was no delivery from here. Do you know? Do you know that the Bible says this? That Lot lingered. Preacher, I don't believe that. I may have used the wrong word, but I'll get it right. You give me just a second. And while he lingered, I did use the right word. <laughs> Listen, what's God going to do in Genesis chapter 19, 
verse number 16. God is going to burn Sodom and Gomorrah down with a fire out of heaven. God is going to rain down fire from heaven. And Lot, while he lingered, the men, who are these men? The two angels. Let me just say it like this. The two angels, the same two angels that brought you out, the, the Spirit and the Word of God, those same two angels got a hold of Lot. Our friend here is two angels with a daughter and a mother and with a father and with a daughter. I tell you, two angels, while Lot's lingering, they lay hold on him and bring him out. If it wasn't for that, you know what he would have done? He would have perished in Sodom and Gomorrah. You and I would too. I'll tell you why He deserves praise. I'll tell you why we ought to glorify the grace of God. I'll tell you why we ought to give praise unto the glory of God. A friend that God chose us, that God predestined us to be adopted into the family of God. It's because of the grace of God. He could have left us alone and i tell you what would have happened. We would have died and went to hell. And I don't believe that you can, I don't believe you can misunderstand this. I don't believe you can misunderstand except the Lord of hosts had left us a remnant. We should have been as Sodom and we should have been like Gomorrah. You know something? They were completely cut off. They were completely destroyed. There was nothing left. There was absolutely nothing. There was no survivor whatsoever. You got to survive. You got to come out before the fire falls. Can you see the condition of man? Man is in a terrible, terrible condition and unable, honest to God. Now let's get the history part. So here's the history part. All of these armies have come against Jerusalem. They can't escape. There is no way for them to escape. The wrath of God is coming to me. Can I escape that? Can I get away from that? Can I get away from the judgment? Is there any way for me to be delivered? Only the Lord of hosts is the only hope that I have, except if not by Him, I will not escape. How could we not see this? Go with me to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9. So in the first of this chapter, you know what Paul is tore up? What Paul is so grievously sorrowing? What's wrong? I tell you what's wrong. His people, Israel, is not saved. Israel has turned away from God. Israel has rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in chapter number 9, verse number 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? 
Why? Because if God doesn't intervene, my country, my fellow man, my countrymen, my people, my people of Israel, they're all going to die in their sins and go to hell. That's what's going to happen. Oh, that's not going to happen to Israel. Well, we better get it right who Israel is. Israel is not all the seed of Abraham. Israel is through Isaac who was the promised seed. So I ask you this. Could Isaac, could, could Abraham, and could Sarah bring forth an Isaac? Could they bring forth an Isaac? 99 years they'd been trying to bring forth an Isaac. 99 years and 89 years they've been trying to bring forth an Isaac. You might, you might, you know, you might twist that and say, well, that ain't true, preacher. This is my point. My point is this. By nature, they could not bring forth an Isaac. It was an absolute impossibility. And it got past the 99. It got past childbearing years. It got past 75. It got past 65. It got past 45. It got past 35. When Isaac, when Isaac was brought into the world, how old was Abraham? A hundred years old. And Sarah was 90 years old. The Bible said she was past childbearing. He was dead as well. No seed, no egg, no child. I'll tell you what it was. It was God Almighty doing the impossible. Everybody that's brought into the family of God's brought in the same way. By the intervening work of God. By the grace of God. We're going to get it. We're, we're going to get him, preacher. We're going to win him. You just go ahead and join up with a big, big crowd out there and you win him. And I tell you what it'll be. It'll be a twofold child of hell in the end. If God doesn't bring them, if God doesn't bring them into the family of God, I tell you what you'll do. You'll bring an Ishmael into the world. You'll bring a fighter against God into the world. You'll bring a fighter against the church into the world. You'll bring somebody that is a wild man and always in opposition to everybody that's for God. That's what man can do in nature. Except the Lord. Except the Lord had saved a remnant. A small remnant. I mean, how small is a remnant? How great? How great is this? Well, according to the Word of God, Abraham's seed is going to be as the sand of the sea. And as the stars in the heavens. But out of that, out of that great number, there's going to be a little remnant saved. Why are you going over this? I'm going over this that we might see why. 
why Paul writes in the first few verses of the, to the Ephesians that God ought to get the glory, that there ought to be the glory to the praise, uh, the praise to the glory of His grace that were brought into the family by the riches of His grace that were there because of His glory, for His honor, for His praise, that He ought to be the number one. And I'll say this, there is no way, a friend, that you can take that and say that's not what the Bible says. You call it whatever doctrine you want to call it. I'm going to call it God's doctrine. I'm going to call it the Apostle's doctrine. I'm going to call it the doctrine that the Apostle Paul himself wrote down that you and I might be able to realize and to understand if you're saved. You know why all, you know why we've got all these blessings? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Should He not get the glory? So, go with me a little farther. Go with me. So Paul, I mean Paul said, I could even wish myself accursed for my countrymen. And you know, it would be speculation to say exactly what he meant there. But I believe I could see this. I, I believe I could see that the Lord Jesus Christ was accursed that you and I could come in. I believe that Paul, in, in all of the life that he lived, he gave his life up honest to God that his fellow man could hear the gospel. You talk about, I'm not saying that he died for our sins, but I am saying this, that he gave his life, that you and I could be rescued from sin, that we could be brought into the favor of God, that we could be brought through by the grace of God and by the preaching of the gospel that he preached. He gave his life that that could happen. He did that. Go on into that ninth chapter a little farther and read with me. Verse number 27. What is Paul going to say? Paul is going to say the exact same thing that Isaiah said. Romans 9, 27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. You know what America says today? I mean, it's going away and, and, and they're rejecting it more and more. But it used to be that America was called a Christian nation. You know, that's a bad word today. To be called a Christian nation in America, that, that's an awful word to use. But could you see that Israel, that Israel were, I won't say that they were called a Christian nation, they were called the people of God, though, weren't they? But out of all of those people of God, out of all of the Christian nation of the United States of America, I wonder how many is really going to be saved. exactly right, a remnant. 
But let's listen to what the writer says. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he shall finish the work and cut it short speedily. In righteousness, God's righteousness, because a short work, that word there means a determined or a decreed work, will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Sabaoth, the same, really it's the same meaning, the armies of God, the host of heaven, except the Lord of the Sabaoth had left us a seed. <laughs> what seed? What, what did he say? What did he tell uh, Abra- about Abraham and Galatians? Out of thy seed. Not seeds, he said. Not plural. But out of one. He has left us a seed. So now you think about that. Let's not take that too far where it is right here. Because what he's dealing with, he's not really dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ specifically, but he's dealing with a group of people, of people that have been brought out to put their faith and trust in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what we are? We're survivors. We're survivors. Because the rest, the rest of Sodom, the rest of Gomorrah, is going to be burnt down. You know what you are? You know what Lot was? Lot was a survivor. Why was he a survivor? Because of the work of God. Because the Lord saved a remnant. So what's he saying here? Paul is saying in the first of the chapter, it looks like all my countrymen is going to die and go to hell. But you know what he's, you know what he's encouraged with? He's encouraged that the Lord is going to save a remnant. And Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Seboeth hath left us a seed... We had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. So, what are we? And know this, that if you're a survivor today, if you're saved today, it's because of God. Except the Lord now. Except the Lord. Except the Lord had left us. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a remnant. Except He had left us a seed. We'd have been, I hear what we would have been, I would have been completely destroyed, both body and soul in hell. That's exactly where I would have been uh, this day or soon to come. I would have lifted my eyes in hell and I would have been there forever and evermore because of the Lord of the hosts, because of the Lord of all the armies, because of the Lord of all the angels, because of the Lord of all the principalities and powers. Of God Almighty, through the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I am a survivor. I will live forever. I shall never die. Who ought to get the praise for that? Praise to the glory of His grace. You think Ephesians is a rotten doctrine? I'm not twisting it. I'm not turning it. God did this work. It was God who did this work. Except the Lord. Except the Lord of the Seboeth had left us a seed. Except we were preserved. Except we were kept. Except God had mercy. 
except God showed grace, except for the mercy and the grace of God, you would have went down like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I would too. And so will the United States of America. And so will every country and every other individual out of 8 billion people except the Lord. Preserve. Except the Lord keep us. Preacher, that's after you're saved. Oh no. No, this ain't after you're saved. This is before. This is before. Let's go across. Let's go, let's go to chapter number 11. Let's go to chapter number 11 and look for just a moment or two. Chapter 11 in Romans. I say then, had God cast away His people? God forbid, let it never be so. God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. I'd like to remind you of this. I'd like to remind you where Paul was going on the day that God done a work in his heart. Where was he headed? He was headed to Damascus to kill, to imprison, to bring affliction, to destroy the church of the living God. That was his purpose, was it not? But do you know what God had? God had a different plan. God had already seen Paul before the foundation of the world. God had created him for this particular work. God hath not cast away His people which He foreknew. Foreknow. To have a knowledge of... God had a knowledge. Would you say this to be fair? That God had a knowledge of Paul before he was ever conceived in his mother's womb. When did God have that knowledge of Paul? By the Word of God in Ephesians, when did God choose Paul? Before the foundation of the world. So with that being said, God created this man for His purpose. There's nobody created. There's none. None whatsoever. God created a Jeremiah. God created an Isaiah. God created a Noah. God created a Pharaoh. God created a Daniel. God created a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God created a Saul of Tarsus who would be moved, be changed, be worked. God would work on him and God would change his heart on the road to Damascus. God was going to do that work. God didn't. God didn't just all of a sudden react and He said, you know, this man's going to destroy my church. I'm going to have to do something about him. Now, with that kind of thinking, this man's going to destroy my church. I'm going to have to do something about him. What would you have done with him? Killed him. That's what I hear. <laughs> but you know what God's going to do? God is going to make Paul an example of his grace and long suffering. 
A man that is a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious. A man who said, I thought I ought to do all things contrary to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's going to save that man. And when's He going to save him? In time. He's going to save him in time. He's going to save him probably somewhere around 33 to 35, 36 A.D. When did God see him? When did God choose him? By the Word of God, He chose him before the foundation of the world. Please read with me. Romans chapter 11, Have God cast away His people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the... Uh, an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people which He foreknew. Want you not what the Scripture saith of, of Elias? How he maketh intercession to God against Israel? Now notice this. That Elijah, I believe you could say by what's written here, that Elijah was praying God, you might as well destroy this crowd. He's praying against them, is he not? Lord, you might as well destroy this crowd. I'm the only one left. They tore down your altars. They raised up altars to Baal. They are a bunch of ungodly, wicked people. You might as well destroy them. I mean, the truth is that's the way it looks, doesn't it? Doesn't it look that way? It looks that way, doesn't it? Lord, they have killed thy prophets, dig down thy altars, and I am, I am left alone. And they seek my life. But what saith the answer of the Lord unto him? I have reserved to myself. The reserve means this, to leave remaining. I have reserved... Now who is saying this? Read with me one more time. But what saith the answer of God? I have left remaining to myself. Are they good? Did God see something in these 7,000 that He thought, well, they're good, I'm going to save them? Look at Lot, ladies and gentlemen. Look at Lot. Lingering. Look at you. Look at me. I've heard the gospel. I've heard the goodness of God. I've heard Jesus died for my sin. You know what I'm doing? I'm staying in my seat. I'm not going for that mess. I'm not believing that mess. I'm going on and I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And I am not going to come under that. I'm not coming under all those rules and all those regulations. I tell you, God said I have kept them for myself. I have reserved them for me. Not for you. He didn't save you for you. He saved you that you would glorify the grace that's in the Lord Jesus, in the Father, in the Son, in the Holy Ghost. That's the reason you're saved. Now, just bear with me just another minute or two.
You know what it is? It's grace. The reason you're saved is because of grace. The reason there was eight souls on the ark was because of grace. The reason there's a remnant today is because of grace. Because of the unmerited, undeserved influence of God on the inside of you, God worked inside of you and brought you to salvation. Brought you to the place that you would believe. You didn't come kicking and screaming. No ma'am and no sir, you wanted to be saved. And you had never wanted to be saved before. You would have kicked and screamed all the way if somebody had come and got you by the arm. But thank God He changed your desire. He changed your disposition. You wanted to be saved. Lord, they've digged down thy altars. I'm the only one left. I'm left alone and they seek my life. What saith the answer of God? I have reserved to myself. (laughs) I have kept for myself. They are remaining for me. They are remaining and they are preserved and they are kept they are the word really means left behind. When you read it up, it means left behind. In the destruction, there was three people left behind. In the destruction, there was a remnant that was saved. In the final wind up, and friend, when hell opens her mouth and opens her mouth without measure, and friend, the borders are expanded. You know who'll be saved? Those that God kept and God reserved and God preserved for Himself. What should that do? That ought to bring praise from the church. Praise to the glory of His grace. Praise to the riches of His grace. Just a little more. Bear with us another minute or two. I have reserved... I have reserved to myself. Did God have a purpose in keeping these? You better believe He had a purpose. He had a will. He had a desire. When He created them, He had an outcome already in His mind. He saw and declared the end from the beginning. God did not choose you randomly. God did not choose you out of a group. God created you for His purpose. Why would that be? I don't understand that. I tell you, we understand it. We kick against it because it doesn't fit in our kind of thinking. The ways of God are past man's finding out. The ways of God are past man's thinking. The ways of God. You say, well, that ain't right. That ain't right. You're telling me that God is unrighteous? I ask you one more time, back to Isaiah, what did I deserve? Where was I headed? Where was the whole world headed? We were headed to hell. And God saved us. Glory and praise to the glory of His grace. We ought to get our minds off of us and get our mind on the One that made a change in us. So, can you see this? Can you see that God saved Noah and his family? Can you see that God saved Lot and his two daughters? Can you see that God saved 7,000 in Elijah's day? 
Listen to the next verse. Even so then at this time also. Preacher, it's different today. This verse won't go with that. This verse won't go with that. Even this day also. You know what he's saying? Look with me. Look with me at your Bible. Read verse number 5. Even so then at this time also there is a remnant. What remnant? That remnant just like he's talking about in verse number 4. He's talking about a remnant in verse number 5. And this remnant in verse number 5 is dealing with the people of Israel and the world as a whole. Just today, you know what there is? There's still a remnant left according to the election of God's grace. You know why the 7,000 were... Why were they preserved? Why were they reserved? Why were they kept? Why were they left behind? When everybody else fell, when everybody else went away, when everybody else died and went to hell, why them? Grace. I'm sorry. Grace. Praise to the glory of His grace. There's no question, folks, verse number 5. Even so then at this present time, would that work for today? I mean, can I only read Romans 11 verse 5 and it's only for 60 A.D.? (laughs) Why don't we just throw this away then? Why don't we just throw the Bible away? It's good for today, isn't it? What a living Word. What a Word from God. What a Word that did not run out in 90 A.D. What a Word that did not run out in the 2nd century. What a Word that did not run out in the 300s. What a Word that didn't run out in 1700. What a Word that's still a good Word, applicable Word. What a grace that's still applicable in 2023. Thank God for the grace of God. Now you might not like these words, but they are the Apostle Paul's words. They are the words written down as he was inspired and moved on by the Holy Ghost. They are the Word of God. Preacher, I don't like that. You take that up with God. I tell you what the problem is. The problem's not understanding it. The problem's not misinterpreting it. The problem is we don't like the way God does. We think God ought to do it the way we think. There's the problem. I don't reckon God's called you in to come and give Him counsel, has He? I don't reckon God called for the church to come and, and, and ask them what He thinks He ought to do, has He? These words are plain. Even so then, at this present time also, <coughs> there is a remnant According to the election of grace, the gracious purpose of God. Verse 6, And if then by grace, not a little work, God did everything except cause you or bring you to believe. I say this by the Word of God in Ephesians chapter (laughs) 2. He was the one that caused me to believe. He's the one that gave me faith to believe. He's the one that brought that. I don't get any. I don't get to have a little bit of work. If there's a little bit of work, then there's a little bit of God owing me. Grace doesn't owe me anything. 
Grace is undeserved. Grace, friend, has nothing to do with work. They are absolutely separated from one another. They are enmity at one another. They, ladies and gentlemen, do not go together. They'll never, ever be together. Grace and works do not go together. You're saved by grace. And that's all. That's it. He's going he's gonna to try to make it as plain as plain can be. If by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. You're going to put what you can do in it. That's what's going on, folks. What's going on is man has got to do. That's works. I was headed to hell. By the grace and the mercy of God Almighty, I'm kept. I'm saved. I'm preserved. I am reserved to Him. The only reason I'm reserved is for His sake. Even so then at the present time, even there is a remnant according to the election. I don't believe I need to give a definition, but I tell you what, that goes right along with the choice. The election, the selecting, the choosing. And I'll remind you of this. When Paul said that he chose us before the foundation of the world, there was no world and there was no human population. There was no group to choose from. God chose out of His own heart, out of His own work, out of His own determinate counsel. God chose to save you and bring you into the family of God. Not without the gospel. Not without the work of the Holy Spirit. Not without the preaching of the Word. Not without conviction. Not without repentance. Not without the Holy Spirit. Not without believing. Not without volition. Not without coming. Not without any of that. No, you get all of that. He brought it about. Why would He do it that way? For the praise to the glory of His grace. Revelation 5 verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred. We could say the world right there if you want to. Out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And behold... I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, 
Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is under heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all that in them are, heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth on the throne. There's God. And unto the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. He gets all the glory. You know why you're saved? Because of the grace of God.